In chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, Paul has been addressing various groups of people, older men and older women, younger men, younger women, widows. We come now to chapter 5 or 17 where he talks to elders, a term that in the New Testament is used interchangeably with overseers, with pastors. So we pick up at chapter 5, verse 17, and we read through verse 25. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are quite evident. Going before them to judgment, for others their sins follow after. Likewise also deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, these are words that you have given to us by the inspiration of your Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would apply them to our lives today, that you would teach us what it is that you would have us to learn. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are some sermons that every faithful pastor loves to preach. Sermons about salvation, sermons about heaven, sermons about the grace and mercy and love of God, sermons about the second coming of Jesus. But there are other sermons that are a little bit harder to preach. I think of a sermon on hell as you think of the destiny of those who don't know Jesus. Or a sermon at a funeral where there was no indication that the person knew the Lord. That's a hard sermon to preach. As I was looking at this passage of Scripture this week, this is one that is difficult as well. Uh, Since I am a pastor, it's a little bit uncomfortable to stand up here and uh, tell you how to treat a pastor. (laughs) Uh, I think I'd rather be at the dentist than... uh, and do that. Well, Paul has spent a considerable amount of time in this letter to Timothy giving instructions to pastors in relation to their congregation. But here he gives some instruction to the congregation in relation 
to a pastor. There are three things that he says. First of all, pastors should be honored appropriately. Appropriately. There are several places in the New Testament that encourage believers to honor their pastor. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, as well as verse 17. And here we find the beginning of our text, this statement, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Now, as Paul tells Timothy to honor pastors, he says that not every pastor should be honored, but those who are worthy of it. In verse 17, he says, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Some people think it would be wonderful to be a pastor because you work only one hour a week and half of that is music. I don't know if you pastors have ever been told that before, but I have several times. But Paul gives a very different picture here of those who are worthy of honor. It is not the one hour a week pastor that is spoken of here. These aren't lazy men who who get into the pulpit on Sunday unprepared. He says that they work hard at preaching and teaching. And the word translated work hard is a word that carries the idea of toiling to the point of exhaustion. (laughs) Toiling to the point of exhaustion, which reminds me of a pastor friend of mine who describes sermon preparation as pushing a boulder up the hill all week. (laughs) And then he says on Sunday morning, he says you deliver the sermon and the boulder goes down the hill. And he said on Monday, you got to start all over, pushing a boulder up the hill all week. So our athletic director, uh, Chris Laird, when he comes in in the morning, he says, how's the boulder going? (laughs) Yeah, pushing the boulder up the hill. And if you're wondering why a faithful pastor would do this week after week, he knows that he is accountable to God for his ministry. And he wants to have something to share on Sunday that will challenge and encourage his congregation. He never wants to step into the pulpit unprepared. Remember Pastor Amos Dairu telling me about I think it was his seminary professor who said that someone told him that he doesn't prepare his sermons. He just goes into the pulpit and lets the Holy Spirit speak. And so this teacher, Pastor Dairud, said he was going to try that one Sunday. And so he got into the pulpit and he said the Holy Spirit spoke. He said, I don't know if the Holy Spirit said anything to to the congregation, but he said something to me. He said, you aren't prepared. (laughs) You aren't ready to proclaim the Word of God. Those who work hard at preaching and teaching. When a pastor rules well and works hard at preaching and teaching, then he is worthy of honor. In fact, Paul says, worthy of double honor. Did you catch that? The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. Honor And I kind of 
grappled with that. What, what does that mean, double honor? Some suggest that part of this honor is the respect that is given to the one in that office of ministry, to, to those who are pastors. But then Paul goes on to describe in verse 18, he says, For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. And so Paul quotes both an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage here. He quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, which is a statement from Moses about an ox. If an ox was expected to thresh the grain, it needed to be fed. And I'm not sure if Paul is comparing a pastor to an ox or not, but I think the point is clear. A pastor needs to be fed as well. First uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 9, Paul quotes this verse. Starting at verse 7, he says, Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? He says, I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? And he quotes that verse, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And then he says, God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things? So just as an ox needs to be fed while he's threshing the grain, that's Paul's argument for giving honor to those who serve in ministry by providing for their material needs. And then Jesus is quoted here, the laborer is worthy of his wages. So both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach us that pastors should be honored appropriately. Those who rule well, those who work hard, are to receive double honor. The second thing Paul says about pastors, not only should they be honored appropriately, but pastors should be disciplined justly. I don't know of anybody who would really say, I love to be disciplined. Any children here that would say that? I love it when my mommy spanks me, when my daddy spanks me. Isn't that a wonderful thing? <laughs> That's not part of our, our nature, is it? We don't love to be disciplined, but everyone needs it. Would you agree? Moms and dads need discipline, too. Pastors need discipline, too. And Paul talks about that in this section here, but he says it must be carried out justly. For one thing, he says there must be two or three witnesses even to consider an accusation against an elder. Look at verse 19. He says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three Witnesses. And I believe the reasons for that are quite obvious. Old Testament law was very clear that no one could be 
held guilty of the crime unless there were two or three witnesses. Very clear foundation of justice. One person could be accusing falsely. One could have a problem with another person and and make up something if there was not another witness to say, yes, this is true, that person could not be convicted of a crime. And besides that, to even receive an unfounded accusation against an elder, that was almost sure to bring damage to his ministry. Lenski puts it this way, the honor due to the office demands this protection for even a charge of which an elder is acquitted nevertheless damages the office and his work. And you've probably heard stories of that, where there have been false accusations brought against a spiritual leader which were found to be untrue. And yet, because those accusations got some foothold, it literally ruined the man's ministry. And so two or three witnesses were needed. And then Paul goes on to say, besides two or three witnesses, there must not be a double standard when it comes to the discipline of an elder. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias. Doing nothing in the spirit of partiality. In other words, there's to be no favoritism when it comes to the discipline of a pastor. Well, I like him better than so-and-so, or, or this guy, he's got a more important job than this one. There is to be no partiality, no double standard. And then in verse 20, Paul says that a pastor who, while being disciplined, continues to live in sin, must be rebuked publicly. Look at verse 20. Those who continue in sin... Rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. So those who serve faithfully are to be honored appropriately, but those who continue in sin are to be disciplined justly. So that brings us to the third point. Pastors should be selected carefully. When it comes to calling a pastor, when the congregation is choosing a spiritual leader, Paul gives some very clear instruction about how that needs to be done carefully. Because he gives this warning in verse 22. He says, Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily, and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. In other words, a congregation, if it quickly puts someone in a position of spiritual leadership who ought not to be there, they share some of the responsibility of what happens when that occurs. So Paul says, do not lay your hands on someone hastily. You don't want to share in the sins of others. You need to be sure who that person is before you call them to serve. If you look at verse 24, you see that some men don't need much examination to see that they're not qualified for ministry. 
He says the sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. Paul is saying that they don't really need to be examined that carefully because it's clear they should not be involved in ministry. But with others, it's not so obvious they need to be carefully examined because Paul says their sins follow after them. John MacArthur puts it this way. He says their sins are not evident beforehand, but come to light during the church's assessment process. As Lenski put it, their sins march right into the meeting behind them and refuse to be left outside. That's how Lenski puts it. And so there needs to be careful examination. When it comes to anyone in spiritual leadership, that is an important task. Questions need to be asked. People need to be examined. Because once you put someone into a position of spiritual leadership, it's tough to get them out sometimes. And the influence for, for evil can be devastating on a congregation. So careful examination reveals that some are not qualified. But then in verse 25, Paul says that careful examination also reveals who is qualified to serve. Paul goes on to say, likewise also, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. William Hendrickson says, In general, the noble deeds which adorn the lives of these men will be clearly evident. And even in such exceptional cases in which they are not at once evident, they cannot remain hidden. Proper questioning and investigation will bring them to the surface. The church desperately needs men to serve in ministry today. Pastor Coronan is here, our AFLC president. How many churches do we have in our own fellowship that need a pastor? We need more men in ministry, and we need to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into His harvest field, but they need to be men who meet the qualifications given in this epistle. They need to be men who are worthy of honor because they work hard and they rule well. They need to be men who are willing to be corrected, willing to be taught. They must be carefully examined to see that they meet the qualifications of God's Word. And I'm thankful that in our church body we have a coordinating committee that takes this responsibility seriously that examines those who, who have gone through our schools and are, are seeking a call in the AFLC, that examines carefully those who, who come to us from another church body wanting to be a pastor in the AFLC. They owe it to the congregation. And they take that responsibility seriously. When pastors are honored appropriately, when pastors are disciplined justly, and when pastors are chosen carefully, God will use them to bring blessing to the people that they serve. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You for 
the godly pastors that many of us have had the privilege to be under their teaching and their leadership. Thank you, Lord, for those that are worthy of honor, those that rule well, those that work hard at preaching and teaching your word. Thank you for those pastors who are willing to be taught still, willing to be corrected when needed. And thank you, Lord, for those congregations that choose their pastor carefully and make sure that they are men that love you and love your word, men of character, men of godliness. And Father, I pray for those who us, those of us who are pastors, those of us who serve in positions of leadership within our congregations. I pray, God, that you would make us men that are worthy of honor. Teach us what it means to work hard, to rule well, to be teachable, to be willing to be corrected. We might be better servants of the church that you have purchased with your blood. These things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.